and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies uh, right here C19 TV. I'm Noel T. Manning the second talking movies hanging out with Bobby Brady. Dude, how are you, man? Bobby, I could at least be Greg Brady. <laughs> hey, at least yeah. I didn't call you Cindy Brady. Good point. But I, I hated said, Cindy. I didn't think she was a cute little thing at all. I just wanted to really? pinch her head off. Yeah. You didn't like Cindy? I, did, I hated that Marsha. That's a Marcia, whole story. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, yeah. Marsha, Marsha, baby. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. But Cindy, no. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, well, Bobby Brady is here now. Greg Tillman hanging out with us, talking movies. If you've never seen this show, we do give you movie reviews. We have special topics from time to time. Uh, we tell you what you can view at home um, if you choose. Uh, we give you non-viewer mail, which we've done as well. We have a lot of that. We have a lot of that. So we have a lot of fun. Uh, but today is it's kind of a special show. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, Mr. Tillman asked me about uh, a project Mr. I had a chance to work on, um, Last the Mohicans. Yep. And I said, let's save that for another show. And so we figured, hey, why not just focus on the movie Last of the Mohicans, which was released uh, September 25th, 1992. Um, it was a film uh, that was shot mostly in North Carolina. I'd say 99% in North Carolina. The 1%, there were some river scenes that were shot outside of that. So, Not far from here. Not far from here. Yeah. yeah. So we thought we'd, uh, we'd give you guys a chance, a little behind the scenes look uh, at this movie and, um, and, and how I got involved in it. And so uh, does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, I thought, well, we're doing it, whether it's good or a good plan or not. That remains to be seen. We'll know in about 25 minutes. Well, well, you and I got to know each other right after I yeah, came back. Yeah, you just finished shoot. shooting that. In yeah. fact, uh, within months, I guess. Yeah. So, and how long ago? 1991 is when we met. Right. So shot in 91, released in 92. Absolutely, yeah. Shot and in 1991. when it was released, you and, and Beth and, uh, and I went to see it in the theater, and you would you, you, I couldn't pay attention to the story because you were elbowing me. I was standing right over here by the bridge when that happened. Yes. When they blew this up, I was over here. It's like, shut yeah. up. No. <laughs> yeah, I was giving the uh, crew commentary for the movie before we had DVD commentary. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we can do it all over again. I'm, so. I'm excited. <laughs> I've forgotten most of it anyway. Uh, the, the movie cost um, about $40 million to make. Uh, went over budget right. uh, when they when they made it, which uh, with Michael Mann's attention to detail and attention to getting things right didn't surprise a lot of people. Sure. But it did make its money back, and it was a big success. It was number one at the box office uh, for its opening weekend. It's a beautiful film. Yeah, and I, I owe a lot of that to um, a lot of things, but the location. It was shot in North Carolina. Right. Uh, the film itself is a Where? period piece. Where? Um, oh, several places. Yeah. Chimney Rock, uh, Linville Falls. Asheville, the uh, Biltmore Estate Grounds. Uh, so mostly in Western North Carolina, it was shot. Uh, Lake James, they built this huge fort to scale. Uh, really? So when you, when you actually um, see the film and you see this fort, you're like, oh, that must be a little set here, a little set there. No, it was an actual fort uh, that, that uh, some estimates had up to $6 million just to build that. Wow, floor. they probably would have done that with CGI now. Oh yeah, I yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would think so. Is it still standing or did they tear no, it down? No, uh, it was, uh, initially it was gonna be set up as a tourist attraction. Right. But uh, they used wood that wasn't quite treated properly. So uh, during some of the scenes, you could- Terminex. Actually, you, could, <laughs> you could hear some of the termites. Oh man. Eating away, so, so we knew that was not gonna Sounds be- Sounds like something. my house. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I may sell that someday. I'm just kidding. I really yeah, am kidding. He'll come back and say, hey, remember when you said on that show? Um, but yeah, it was, um, the, the fort was just astounding. I, I, I've right. never been anything that 
was just that magnificent, um, other than going to a, you know, an actual fort somewhere right. that they used for, for historical right. purposes. But uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. But the film is a period piece, if you're not aware of it, takes place in 1757, actually in, uh, in upstate New York, uh, in the forest lands of New York, uh, back in the, the year 1757. And they really couldn't recreate that today without finding a place like, uh, like the mountains of North Carolina. And I'm right. so glad they did because it, it gave me an opportunity to do something I always wanted to do, uh, going back to my childhood. I wanted to, wanted to work uh, on a major motion picture. Right. Uh, based on a, on, on a novel, right? Right. By Cooper? James Sh Fillmore Cooper. James I was thinking Sheldon Fenimore Cooper. That's Cooper. not right. Not, yeah, <laughs> no, no, not Sheldon Cooper. Wrong about that. James Fenimore Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the novel uh, has been made into several films, uh, nine films, four TV movies, several radio adaptations of this as well. Uh, but there was actually a 1936 film that, um, that really kind of inspired Michael Mann. He always loved the story of... Um, is the Randolph Scott version? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I, I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But Michael Mann um, loved that version. He loved the story of, um, of the wilderness, but also you've got this kind of outsider uh, played by Daniel Day-Lewis who was uh, in between two worlds. You know, he was, he was in the frontier world, but yet he was also... a, a very much attached to the Native Americans, and so uh, you know he ends up getting this, having a romantic relationship with uh, um, the daughter of a of a of a of a colonel, Madeline Stowe. Madeline Stowe. And who wouldn't? And who wouldn't? Yeah, absolutely. This made, this made him a star, right? Yeah, you know Daniel Day Lewis. He'd been around for a while, but this right. Set him he on had fire, he had it? just come off the Oscar win for My Left Foot, but he wasn't this household name. And after this, he became this household name. Right. You know, and since that time, I mean, just the list of films, I'm just going to throw a, a few films out there that he did after this. Um, Age of Innocence, uh, you know, another uh, Oscar caliber performance, uh, Gangs of New York. The Boxer, which is a lesser known film, but I highly recommend that. Uh, there Will Be Blood, which uh, you know, Oscar caliber performance, and then of course Lincoln, right. Lincoln. Uh, yeah. a few years ago. So you know, this was the one that made him that household He won name. for Lincoln, didn't he? He did. He won yeah. an Oscar for Did he win for, for Mohicans or he was no, nominated? No, uh, he did not, but he did win. He has won several uh, yeah. Oscars throughout yeah. the years. My left foot. I My know. left foot, yeah. 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 Um, there will be blood. he's retiring. He's retiring, right? Soon? Absolutely. Said yeah. that uh, he's done, he's finished, he's, he's walking away from, from acting. And the thing about Daniel Day-Lewis uh, that's different from, say, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, you, you will see him every single year pop up in a film. Uh, some are good, some are bad, but you're always going to see him every year in something. Daniel Day-Lewis is the kind of guy that waits, has always waited for just the role that attracted him and just the role that, that pulled him in. And with this one, he loved that frontier aspect of someone who was completely outside of time, out of this time, but also completely outside of uh, place. Where do they fit in? Where do I fit into the society? Do I fit in anywhere? And really story story of my life, too, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. you were there, so I'd heard he was a method actor of the, yep. of the first order. And right. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. He's shown technology. And, and yeah. tell, tell me about that. Well, this, this takes place in the 18th century, so right. 1757. Um, the only technology I saw him connected to was he did have a, a driver for a vehicle, uh, if he had it his way, he would be on foot or on horseback the entire time. But because uh, he had to get from place to place on sets and things like that, he, you know, and you couldn't necessarily drive, uh, ride your horse down downtown Asheville 
without getting noticed right and, and maybe getting pulled well, over. May, nowadays maybe maybe, maybe nowadays yeah. but but uh you know that time uh you know sony walkmans were still a big thing um you know the the, the cell phones were pretty huge uh, from that standpoint but he stayed very far away from technology um, he learned how to hunt he learned how to be um, uh, a, a you know a, a frontiersman um, to track then, an animal. I'm sorry. Track an animal. Oh yeah, track an animal. He skinned animals. Um, they, there were, were stories, and I never got a chance to talk to him about this, but stories about him actually hunting his own food while he was preparing for this. Wow. Um, he had heavy training from uh, Dale Dye. Dale Dye, um, if you've seen the movie Platoon, um, he was uh, an expert and actually wrote the uh, the book Platoon. Uh, he was a military uh, advisor to this. Uh, also, a few others that were connected to this were military and uh, survival um, in wilderness uh, advisors that trained uh, Daniel Day-Lewis on every aspect of how to live, how to survive um, in the wilderness, but also how to shoot these uh, old school weapons. And so he would carry these weapons around with him all the time. So yeah, I mean, you didn't see him with any kind of technology. He lived the part. And um, when I was watching him perform scenes, when he would when he would dive in, it was it was absolutely amazing. I felt like I was watching the real thing, and that really impressed me. It really blew me away. And I remember um, going, "Okay, yeah, this guy is Oscar. This guy is Oscar." Right. Quite amazed by by his talent. You were on the set the whole time of the shoot, right? Yep, basically. I was I was there from the pre-production um, all the way through um, pretty much the, the when it wrapped. There was a, a big wrap party in Asheville at the bowling alley. If you can imagine, wow. that's where they had the wrap party. Uh, They'd run out of money by they, then. Yeah, they ran out of money by then. <laughs> but yeah, the, for me, being a part of that pre-production, when you're seeing all the training and all the behind-the-scenes things going on before they actually start the shooting, um, that was amazing to me. Um, I had always heard about how much work goes on before the cameras ever start to roll, and I didn't have a true concept of that until I saw it. And I remember. Um, going in when I was asking to get a job on this movie um, when I was a college student and um, when they called me back and said yeah well, we'll you know we'll bring you on the first thing I did was they had me sit down and read the script before anything else they said you need to know the story you need to know what we're going for you need to understand the kinds of shots that we're going to be doing because you don't know where you're going to be situated but you need to understand the story um, and that blew me away and that script changed, uh, I, won't, I won't say tremendously, but it did change quite a bit from what the final cut of the film looked like. That's not uncommon though, it's is not, it? It's not, it's um, not. There were constant rewrites. I, I would say daily there were changes that were going on. Uh, sometimes those changes were more significant. Um, there's actually a storyline in the original script where um, two of the sub-characters, main characters, um, Madeline Stowe's um, sister Alice uh, and Uncas, they had a relationship, and uh, in the actual uh, original story, the original script, you could actually see that relationship a little deeper. Now, in the film that was released, you can see that there's a connection between those two. Uh, you can tell there's some chemistry between those two, but you don't really realize the extent of it. That um, was part of what was cut that was to part get of it down to the running yep. length they, they yep. released it at. Mm -hmm. yep. And the actress who played uh, Alice, she was only 17 at the time. Um, her mom was uh, was on set with her all the time so they were, they were very concerned with you know what kind of scenes are you doing um, and they they made the love scenes that she had that were shot very tasteful 
uh, they, they wanted to make sure that those matched with, with who they were. Were you there for that? Because uh, no, I hear there's nothing more awkward than oh, shooting a love scene. No, on, I, was, on I was not there in, in, in during the love scenes. Right. And the thing is, my, my job, I, I served with the assistant director's office as a production assistant. And um, I absolutely loved it. That was the best place to be on the movie set. What do you what do? You do? What did you do? Everything. Uh, the beautiful thing about that particular department is they report directly to the director. And um, so every other department has to funnel through them. So there were certain days uh, I was working with a location crew, uh, scouting areas. Uh, there was a day I was working with the, uh, with the camera crew. Uh, another day I may be working with, uh, with costumes and wardrobe. Um, another, well, probably one of my favorite times was when I was working with Tom Fisher, who was a special effects explosives expert who did uh, Terminator 2, oh. uh, well known for that. Uh, I worked with him when the fort exploded. And a uh, quick story before we go to the break about the fort exploding. Uh, Michael Mann, very much a perfectionist, very much wants things exactly like he wants them. Right. Um, it, it's, it was nothing for him to do 20 to 25 takes per scene. I mean, that was just the norm. Wow. You know, if, if you did 18 takes, you were like, wait a minute, what, what's wrong? What's wrong here? Yeah. But anyway, the fort, when you're trying to do uh, explode portions of a fort, you can't do, well, too many takes. This is, you know, before, before the right. CGI. That would definitely be done in CGI today. But I'm with Tom Fisher, and I've got a walkie-talkie, and that's how they're delivering the signal. And so I was getting the signal from Michael Mann to, to basically say, okay, now, you know, you know explode it now. You know, yep. set it off. Yep. So I did that, and everything exploded, and you felt like it was, uh, the heat was tremendous. The ground shook as if it were uh, an earthquake. So you felt like, okay, volcano, earthquake, right. mass mayhem, chaos. You felt like you were in the middle of a battle. Wow. Um, and so I'm like, that's amazing. And then you know, the word came, and Michael Mann was like, it needs to be bigger. <laughs> so I passed that on to, to Tom Fisher, and Tom Fisher said a few choice words <laughs> and, and said, okay, if he wants bigger, <laughs> I'll give him bigger. <laughs> so give me a few minutes to set up. So of course, had to set up everything, reset it, and then Tom Fisher said, I'm ready. So that was passed on uh, to the director. And then once it started rolling again, it was like, now, this time when it went off, you would have thought, you know, there was no way you were not in the middle of this war zone. Right. Ground shook much larger than before, um, much heavier, much crazier. Um, you know, you, you felt off balance. You felt like you needed Dramamine, all of these things. Yeah. The heat was tremendous. Dust went everywhere. After the dust literally settled, you heard this kind of voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, just a little brief story about uh, the exploding fort on Lake James uh, during Last of the Mohicans. If you are just now joining us, we're talking about the uh, motion picture Last of the Mohicans, uh, released in 1992. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to work on that, and because of that, ultimately got to meet. Um, Greg Tillman hanging out with us. So there is a downside to everything. There right? is a downside to everything. So we invite you to stick around, come back. We'll talk much more about Last of the Mohicans. I'm Noel Manning. That is Alice Nelson, and you're watching C19 TV's Meet the Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely. When we first started off, I said, well, who's going to really see this? It is amazing how many people will stop and talk about it. Some fella hollered out political smackdown in Orlando, Florida. There's just really no other outlet 
for local politics. You need somebody that's been around the block, that knows most of the players, and has some experience at it. Uh, and I think that's why people like political smackdown. And we all don't agree with one another, and that's okay too. Welcome to the Shield Museum of Natural History. I'm Dr. Ann Tippett, Executive Director. Come explore the Shield Museum with your family where we will inspire wonder and appreciation for science in the natural world. The Shield Museum has been engaging visitors for over 50 years. Come see our planetarium, backcountry farm, Catawba Indian Village, live animals, nature trail, and many other exhibits. Come take a bite out of time at the Shield Museum. Hi, I'm Jennifer Harrell, your host of Fur Your Information. I invite you to join us each month on C19 TV where we will educate you with special guests from around the county on dogs, cats, horses, pigs, snakes, butterflies, you name it. Also, every episode we will bring you a rescue pet for the opportunity for you to adopt this pet. It could be a dog, it could be a cat. So join us each month for your information. They're gonna put me in the movies. Gonna Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Noel T. Man in the second here hanging out with Sam the Butcher. Sam, hey man, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I got nothing. I got, I got, <laughs> got nothing. nothing. You Sam, got nothing. Sam wasn't that much of a character. I don't even have anything to pull from. Oh, but, but he, you know, he, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. He just he loved Alice. All right, he loved Alice. Well, somebody and there, had to. there's a reason we're talking about that because Alice was a character on Last of the Mohicans, which is what we're talking about wow, today. Wow, look at that. Same actress, same character. No, no, whole different. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. I have a question. Yep. Uh, we were talking about it over the break about how large the the whole cast was, right. supporting cast. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, okay. Uh, were were there a lot of Native Americans involved in the production? Right. Really? Uh, and did, do you have to do any kind of training to be okay. in the background? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Th this was a large-scale production from the standpoint of cast. I mean, this goes back to probably those, you know, cast of thousands kind of Hollywood days that you think about when you think about the Ten Commandments and those big epic kind of films. Michael Mann wanted to make sure that if, if you saw a major battle going on, that you saw a major battle going on with soldiers. So yeah, huge, huge cast, um, hundreds and hundreds of extras. Um, there were probably a couple of hundred extras, and I, these are called uh, featured core extras, that were trained. You had Colonial, uh, and then you also had the Native Americans, and they were both trained on uh, every, every aspect of what Daniel Day-Lewis went through. Uh, they went through boot camp, uh, they had to learn how to fire the weapons, they had to learn how to run in loincloths. They had to learn how to, um, you know, properly hold weapons and, and, and the whole military aspect of what you do, how do you stand, how do you shoot, all of right. that. So the training behind the scenes for that, it wasn't just somebody figuring out, okay, let's try this. Um, attention to detail was huge for Michael Mann. And so um, during pre-production, I got to work with, uh, with the Native American crew and the Colonial crew um, very closely, got to know them very well, st still keep in contact with, with a few of those. Uh, and Native Americans came from all over the U.S. for this film. And so uh, when you see the Native Americans on film, they are true Native Americans. And then you would go on to see that with Dances with Wolves as well. 
uh, right. not a, not long after that, but a couple. Well, Hollywood of, didn't used to be very attuned to that no, sort of thing. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. But uh, for this film, Michael Mann was was very much connected to that. And uh, one of the things during pre-production that I got a chance to do was photography. I was a photographer for one day when they were doing makeup and hair and trying to get things just right, the details just right. And so I just happened to have my camera and they didn't have anybody else there. So Michael Mann said, let's get these shots. And so I would, I, I went around, took all these shots of the different profiles of the Native Americans and the painting, you know, the, the, the war paint. And uh, it was, then I went to like to one of the dollar, you know, uh, CVS or whatever the pharmacy was that would do the, not the dollar, but the hour right. development, brought those images back. I got copies for myself as well, just so I've I could have I've seen a few them. of those. Yes. I remember some of those. Um, but it was really interesting to see uh, after that, um, you know, Michael Mann's uh, team looking at those images and go, okay, circling these, I like this, I don't like that, I like this. Okay, let's make some differences and changes here. But, uh, but yeah, the behind the scenes aspect of what it takes to pull all of that together before it ever ever happens. Heavy research, and um, that's one of the things I really applaud Michael Mann on is just the amount of research that he did with how things looked um, and, and how people acted and reacted. You, you couldn't wear a watch, you couldn't, you, know, you couldn't have an ink pen, you couldn't have any of that stuff on the set with you if you were gonna be seen anywhere. Same type of historical accuracy, I guess, uh, Jim Cameron used years later for Titanic. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think Cameron and uh, Michael Mann are cut from the same cloth. Right. They're both as, jerks, right? Well, they're- <laughs> They're they, talented jerks. They are a demanding. Demanding yeah. is a good word All to right. use. Uh, and, and actually, there was one day that I got fired uh, this is when I was an intern, and then the next day they actually hired me. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, why why'd you get fired? Well, uh, this was really before cell phones <laughs> were really prevalent, yeah. and uh, you communicated through these walkie-talkies on the set. And um, uh, Michael Waxman was one of the assistant directors, and this was uh, this was at the top of this hill. We were doing all these shoots uh, at the top of this uh, at the top of this kind of mountain. And you had to kind of go through these trails on this car, not really easily to get up there. And I saw Michael Waxman go up. And so Michael Mann's car drove up and his driver said, have you seen Waxman? I said, yeah, he just went up there. Well, he went up there, but there was a back way down. So Waxman came back down. So I wasted 10 minutes of Michael Mann's time. He didn't like that. He didn't like that. And so he was saying, you need to fire that guy. And then, uh, of course, for me, I said, I really want to work here, but I've got all my hours in that I'm required for my internship. So if you need to let me go, I've still got experience. But uh, they ended up hiring me uh, like the day after. He found that. out that that you were right. He found out that I was the right man for the job, and so there you go. Wow. But wow. Um, I did get uh, from that crew that I worked with in the the training, the core crew. Uh, I, I got a, a Native American name. They gave me a Native American name. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, do I want to hear this? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was called Running Gator. Running Gator. Gator. Yeah, because um, I would take care like of like alligator. No, actually. Um, G, G A I T O R. I, well, I drove a gator, but oh. the main thing is um, I would get them Gatorade. Oh, I would take care okay. of all of their craft services needs, so I'd make sure they had food, water, Gatorade. So they called me Running Gator because I was always Gator. running for We need to ID you as that from now on. Maybe, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. But uh, it was, uh, the experience was monumental. It was something, sure. going back to childhood, I wanted to do it from when I was a kid. Um, I always wanted to work on a major motion picture. After I did it, uh, I realized this is not what I want to do for a living, a very vagabond lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you have to travel all the time. Um, once you're 
a third of the way through, halfway through, you're always wondering, okay, what's next for me? What's next for me? Uh, Madeline Stowe, who played Cora Monroe, really got to know her well. Um, one of the days I was asked, uh, she wanted to go take a walk with um, um, the character um, that Alice played. They, they, were, they wanted to get away from the set for a little bit, but because they were principal actors and actresses, they could not go without chaperone. So they said, okay, Noel, we need you to go chaperone them. I'm like, really? I've got to hang out with these women? She was very lovely. Yes, they both were. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I got to hang out with them, walking with an umbrella, um, and to keep them, you know, keep yeah. them cool. And I got to know them, and I got to know Madeline Stowe really well. Um, she called me her shadow, because uh, anytime she was in trouble or just wanted to get a break from Michael Madman, um, <laughs> she would see me and say, Noel, can you get my driver? And so uh, Madeline Stowe, just uh, an amazing actress who, you know, went on to do a, a lot of things, but a lot of things that were um, not mainstream. Um, she kind of peaked with Mohicans, didn't she? She did. Yeah. She did uh, Stakeout, the movie Stakeout. Right. And then she did a few years ago, they had a, a TV series called Revenge, and she came back with that. That's right. Um, she was married to Brian Benben. Yeah, from um, uh, oh, that old Dream On. Show. Dream On. Dream I love on. that show. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Madeline Stowe, I still think about her uh, today. Beth and I both really uh, appreciated her. And if we had ever had another child and had been a girl, we were gonna actually call uh, the child Madeline Grace after Madeline Stowe. Oh. So, uh, it's not go. too late. It's not too is late. It, is it too late, too Beth? Late. I don't know, Beth, Never is it too, too late? late. Well, Beth, and, yeah, she'd make uh. me have the kids. Um, <laughs> what about Daniel Day-Lewis? You met him, nice guy? Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, incredibly nice guy. He would take time um, out of his day to talk to people, yeah. you know, even though he was this method actor. If you wanted an autograph, he would give you an autograph. Yeah. Um, he would have his picture made with people. He was a prankster. Uh, he would play a lot of pranks on people. Really? Um, and Madeline Stowe did as well. And there was one time that I happened to be with Madeline. Oh, it was the time I was walking with Madeline Stowe and Alice. And the assistant director said, hey, we need to get, need to get Maddie back to the set. You know, uh, and Jody May was the, was the other. We need to get Maddie and Jody back to the set. And so Madeline said, tell them that you can't find me. And so I did, and they were not happy about it. And then I said, I've got her. Maddie said to pass that on, and they said, never do that again. Was that never man? do that Who again. Who said that, man? Yeah, this was one of the assistant directors. And obviously man is not the friendliest guy. Michael Mann, uh, not a big sense of humor, you know, at least not on the set. When, right. when the cameras are rolling, uh, that's all that matters. And, uh, but I will say his wife was, was quite, uh, quite a wonderful person. I enjoyed meeting his wife as well. But... Love the movie. Uh, if you've never seen it, I uh, highly recommend watching uh, Last of the Mohicans. And if you need the Noel Manning commentary, just ask me. I, yeah, I still have it in my head. Ask, ask Greg, or you can call me when you're watching, and I'll come sit in your living room. And then I'll and he, start he, talking. he probably would. I would. We didn't get to the Tim Cam today. Tim Cam. Tim Cam, oh, you man. back there, Tim? Oh, there so he is. He's not in a good mood today. He's Tim just Cam, as what well. does it say? He's a little grouchy. What does it say, Brian? Uh, it says, uh, I love to dance. He, he just. He gave the show a C. He today. gave the show a C. Well, All right. Well, that's something. okay. Commendable. Well, that's I'll, C. I'll, that's average. I'll grade him I'll take later, it. too. I'll take it. So uh, if you ever have any more questions about uh, Mohicans and about uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with that, you can email us at info at c19.tv. Info at c19.tv. Um, or you like can, in television? <laughs> <laughs> or you can also just uh, tweet at CinemaScene USA. Till next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II. That is Gregory Tillman. No, it's not Marcia. For this week's Meet Me in the Movies, that is a wrap. Happy